For years, Minky Couture has been donating blankets to NICUs across the country. Owner Sandy Henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks, and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator. We want to help other NICU families with the Heart of Minky program. For every adult-sized blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini-sized blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world. Did you hear you could save up to 25% off grocery store prices at BJ's Wholesale Club? Did you say save up to 25% at BJ's? Yeah, save up to 25% at BJ's. Whoa, that's like saving up to one-fourth of... Oh, that's gonna leave a mark. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings. Shop today. Not a member? Go to BJ's.com slash simple savings. This is a Mike Roach audio experience. Mark Strong, baby. What's up, homeboy? What's going on, my you man? You know we do. A.K.A. Mr. Everywhere. You know we do, man. A.K.A. Strizzy. Strizzy! Man, I've been Building. trying to get you on here for a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. I'm sorry that it's taken me so long, but I'm happy to be... At the time, I had to be right. Listen, you're a busy, very popular man. Uh, I'm humbled. Thank you. Nah, I'm please, humbled. I'm humbled to be on like my All second right? podcast ever. Second? Second. I don't, do this. I don't do this often. I've done one before. I don't do it. I really don't. I take it. I take it special. Some people are on a lot of different podcasts. I take things specially. So I'm like, this is my second one. It makes me really wonder what people are doing in the city if this is only your second podcast. I've been asked. I've been asked several times. I just like some of them. I just don't feel to do. Some of them I don't have the vibe for. Some of them is timing. Um, but this one I had to make sure it had to get done. See that? I mean, I had to make it happen. I don't even know where I want to begin with you, to be honest. I mean, I see you at the Raptors games all the time because right, I work right. with you over there. Yeah. Um, I went on so you, so you know when I do these shows Right You always gotta go online And do a little bit of research Right okay But I don't I'm trying to change it up a bit I don't wanna do too much research Because I find when I do too much I become uninterested kind of Because I know mm. a little bit yeah, Too yeah, much yeah. You know what I mean So I don't even know where I'm gonna begin I'm gonna begin here Okay Don Cherry <laughs> Timing is everything. Diamond is everything. Um, what about him? Don Cherry's. <sighs> let, me, let, let, let me say this. Let me say this. Let's just get this out the way. Yeah. Archie Bunker in All in the Family. For those of you guys that don't know, check out All in the Family, Archie Bunker in the 1970s, 80s or so. Archie Bunker couldn't survive in 2019. Yet in those times, it was probably the hottest, most uh, funny, yet most uh, socially active show that you can think of. But it was very controversial. A lot of different uh, phraseologies and words. And he was a character that pretty much was somebody that like was um, had very he was racist, misogynist, all the type of stuff. But what they did is they blew up his character to show you how ridiculous racism can be, right? But Archie Bunker was a character that we all got to laugh at, even as ignorance. Right. Many people laugh at, enjoy, embrace. Don Cherry's knowledge of the game sometimes is ignorance socially. They they kind of chuckle at it, laugh at it. Mm-hmm. But he's also that old uncle, old grandfather, old great whatever that you're like, granddaddy shouldn't really say that. <laughs> it's not really right, right about that. But you're doing this on a, on a formal platform. You can't really do some of the things, you can't say the things, some of the things you say. Mm-hmm. So that can't survive in 2019. And I think that I think that what he said was, um, what he says is his opinion. I think what he tried to say and what he did say were two different things, but they also came from the same place. You see what I'm saying? So it came from a place where it's like, that's how he sees the world. That's his lens. That's his perspective. And I think he has a right to his perspective. I think Sportsnet has a right to say that perspective isn't allowed here unless you want to apologize for it and take ownership. And if you don't want to take ownership, we reserve the right to boot you. Absolutely. And no. So uh, they did. I think you said that perfectly. Listen, Don Cherry can feel the way he wants to feel. Yeah. Absolutely. That doesn't mean sports ain't going to fire him. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. if he thinks that they're going to care about him, the person, and what he's doing with his job more than their money, it just ain't going to happen. And they took us. They took like a 
they took a bee storm of emails and complaints and follow-ups and where they're like, yo, you have to do something. And they've probably never seen like this before. Of all the things John Cherry has said, and that's the other thing. And he said a lot of stuff. So the other thing is that, yo, it's not just this. This is what people need to know. This is the tip of the iceberg wondering how far the iceberg will go. It's like, yo, he went from misogyny to French to races. Different things that he's done has been very controversial. He got to a point where it's like, okay, John, we got to slow down. You, we got to take, we got to, you can't talk like this much anymore. He's like, and to his credit, so to speak, he's like, this is what you paid me for to be this guy. This is who I am, right? Now all of a sudden you're switching. It's like, somebody made a great comment online. They said, um, Don Cherry has never changed. The world has changed. Mm-hmm. And that's real. Don Cherry's always been him. But if he can't fit in this world right now, he got to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I, yeah. He got to go. And, and, and to the credit of other people, too, I want to be very specific on this. I'm also quite concerned that what Don Cherry represents is a culture that needs to be changed mm-hmm. in hockey. In hockey arenas, in hockey families, in hockey, in hockey children, and I'm and I'm hearing there is a protest outside can of sports. Can you imagine? Now? And can you imagine some of the people of uh, of different origins, different uh, backgrounds, cultures, immigrant origin, origins that he's referred to? They have kids that that, ha- that play in hockey leagues, mm-hmm. and they are dealing with a lot of racism, bananas thrown, comments, fights in the stands, and whatnot. Imagine now, the people that have that type of mentality are now getting their uh, king of their words being thrown, taken off the throne, this could cause more problems for those people. Big time. It's a cultural thing that needs to be addressed. It's not just Don Cherry. And it's not just that comment. It's been brewing. So either you change your way of thinking, you, you know, you run, for, you run for office, which he might do, by the way. And if Don Cherry runs for office, I think he's in. And I know that's sad to say. But I think he could hey. get in. There's a lot of people that really back Don Cherry. After seeing South of the Border, I don't think anything's going to surprise me anymore. They're both named Don. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave you with yeah. that one. All right? and, 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 before, <laughs> and before we just move on, here's yeah. the thing what I can't stand about the quote, <laughs> you people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did his family come from? Point. Facts. They damn sure ain't indigenous Facts. or the original people of this country. Facts. So you can't tell me about those people. And when you talk about he, those people. He, he is you people. Exactly. And his ancestors, family, whatever. But you seem to think that you came to, you've come to a place now where you're now us people and those people. It's not right. And, I'll, and another thing I'll say is you guys, no offense to certain people, but you got to take microphones away from certain people who aren't thinking before they talk. Certain ex-people that have been in office who are going to start to kind of, you know, defend Don Cherry and whatnot. You got to be Hazel careful. McCallion. That's the one I'm talking about. I saw that nonsense this morning. Hazel, man. Hazel, you can't, you can't do that. You can't. You can't talk out of both sides. Just because you're both from Mississauga. Because he's, he's from her ends. That's yeah. my man's in him. You know what I mean? He's from the west side. He's from Mississauga. And he's in my age range. So I got to defend him. No, man. If wrong is wrong, wrong is wrong. Just stand up for it and move on, man. Exactly. Now, listen. Don... He can think that. Yeah. That doesn't mean you should keep your job. 100%. I don't think so. All right. All right. Let's check that one out. <laughs> now let's move on to the real podcast. My second and last podcast. Awesome. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to have me back again. That's all good, though. You grew up in Toronto? I grew up in Toronto. I was born, in Mount, born in Mount Sinai Hospital, downtown Toronto, and grew up in Oakwood and St. Clair, right across from Oakwood Collegiate. You went to Oakwood Collegiate, I went to right? Oakwood. Went to, I went to McMurrick, Winona, Oakwood Collegiate. You grew up in a big, small family? Grew up in a family of my mom and my father and my sister. And your sister? Oh, yeah. two of you. Yeah, just a two Close in age? Very, uh, yeah, like three years apart, four years apart. Who was doing the bullying? Um, my dad was. I'm just kidding. My, uh, <laughs> no, but there was no bullying. We just, we, we, we were really good. We were close with each other. I mean, Charlotte, I love you, but I was a big wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. So there was a suplex here or there. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a clothesline or two. We're not like suplex? It. You try to kill her? No, just like coming out the bathroom. But macho man. <laughs> it happens. You know, your kids, you know. But now, yeah. I've seen you at so many games over the... I mean, listen, this is only a half-hour show, so I can only... All right. The voice of the Raptors. Yeah. You're there every single game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juno Awards. Uh, Canada's Walk of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, warm-up talent. Deal or no deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, YTV is the next, I mean, 
we don't have the time for me to keep going here. All right. I've done a lot, yeah. What I want to know is where did your personality come from? Especially because I see you at these Raptors games, yo. And especially like when you're doing those intros mm. at the beginning of the game. Mm. Forget about regular season. I'm talking about playoff yeah, time. Playoffs is a different beast. It's a yeah. different beast. Yeah. You know the energy inside. Oh, there. yo, the energy. When it I'm when I hear you. you just going crazy, I see you sweating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going backwards. I'm like, yo, I see. I'm yo. Where does that? Where does the fire, the personality come from? Oh no, I I I I've just I've, I've always had this this zest for for life. I've always had this, and that's, I don't want to sound corny or cliche or anything, but I've, I really respect and honor and and I'm humbled. As much as you see all the bravado and the crazy, I'm humbled by the position I'm, I'm in because there are so many people that could do this, wish they could do this, and I've been picked to do this and chosen by whatever, whatever force, whatever energy, whatever uh, supernatural being, whatever God, which I believe in, but I'm just happy to be and so since I've been put in that position, I can't let it go. I got to make it as good as I can. I got to make it as best as I can. I got to want to keep this and get more and more hungry for it. So I'm happy. Not to mention, this is Toronto and this is basketball and this is center court at the. You know what I mean? And oh that, yeah. Yo, man, all of that is that that lights is beautiful to be under. You got to give the energy that you're getting back, and that's what I think Toronto gives a lot of energy. So I give it back. You think any of it's a trait from from your parents or? Uh, my mom was my mom's not really uh, an extrovert. My father's quite the extrovert. He's quite the showman. Um, but no, I think I think it's just something that I sort of developed myself. And I'm, I guess my family, to be honest with you, most Caribbean families all have like the singing around Christmas table and you know the the, the, the different dance parties and the and the showcases that happen and whatnot. So we all have this sort of entertainment value to us, even when we're talking. Just we mm. we talk with. We talk with our hands, we talk with jokes, we make it all kind of laugh, you know what I mean? So I think all of that extrovert uh, activity comes out in the work that I do. So you are Mr. Everywhere, a.k.a. Mr. Everywhere. You do a lot of positive stuff in the community as Mm -hmm. well. There is uh, a spike in violence going on in communities Mm -hmm. around Toronto. What do you believe, why do you think that is? Okay, um, this I, I don't know which answer you want. Yeah, like, because cause I'm only tying it in because I'm hearing you talk about your family and growing up with both your parents. I only grew up with my mother right, for the most okay. part. Do you think that had an impact on the way you behaved growing up? Mm-hmm. Like, how did your father impact you in regards to the way that you carried yourself in the community? As yeah. a child or as an adolescent? I think uh, consciously and unconsciously, um, th- there was that presence in the house that was a second presence in the house that lets you know that there are two people here to rear you. So whenever you have one person that you can sort of fish around, you know that there's somebody else that is going to make sure. So there's always good cop, bad cop. But to your credit as well, too, um, and, I, and I don't say this to diminish any of the strength of a single parent, but... Um, you know, you can be a single, you could come from a single parent background and still have that duality feel in the house. Like, there's a lot of mothers who are mother and father. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you don't need, and so there's some fathers in the house that maybe it'd be better if he wasn't in the house. You know what I mean? So, oh, it's, yeah. so it's really like, so, so when people say, yo, I just grew up with just my mom, it's like, that's not, that, that's not the reason. There's something more that dragged you out. There's something more that you're dealing with. And mm-hmm. I, I think the youth these days, uh, I've been through a, into a lot of different counseling sessions and different places where I try to reach out to the youth and talk to them. Um, but I think there's, a, there's this weird sense of, uh, of lack of, of, of hope and understanding of what's on the other side of uh, school, job fairs, all that kind of, like all these, other, all these positive implementations that people have yeah. uh, for the kids. What's on the outside? There's a lot of kids that are going to school. I have, I have four children. Um, my let's take my my first daughter for example. She's gone through the high schools, the universities, and all kind of stuff. She's doing all that. I can't believe. But what's on that. the other side? Oh I, yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. She's 23. I was surprised when I heard that. She's 23. Yeah. Like when I heard you had four children. But that's my that's my that's my second youngest. Like my oldest son is 26. Yeah. 23, 20, and 18. Wow. So you my, look way too young. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but my daughter, though, <laughs> but my daughter, though, is like she's gone through all of that and mm-hmm. she finds herself even in those positive stages. 
what's the outcome for job? What's the reality for income? So sometimes you get frustrated. And along with frustration is a system that holds you uh, by either your gender, your race, some orientation, whatever it is, you also have that pressure. So you have that pressure, you have lack of job, you have lack of opportunity, and then you have peer pressure. And then you have a general culture that starts to not care as much about what the authorities think. So when you add four, five, six things on, it's easy to slip into something that would be either violent, criminality, that kind of stuff. But you don't think of it as you want to be a criminal. You think that this is a way to live, and it's not. Nobody wants to be, let me put it this way, nobody wants to be a criminal. If you gave a criminal an opportunity to make clean money, live, feed, and uh, aspire and, and, and grab those aspirations of being the person and, the, and, and attaining everything that they want and they could do it clean, why would they want to be a criminal? If you don't have an opportunity to not be a criminal and your only opportunity is to go into crime, that's your, that's your, that's your, op- that's your only option mm-hmm. to some people. Some others just get caught up in the wrong crowd. You know what I mean? So there's different, there are different angles and aspects to uh, what's going on with the youth, I have no solution. I think we're all trying to find a solution. I think we're all concerned. But the other side of it, if I go to the, that, that's that side. If I go to the other side now in concerns of the systematic situation, we really gotta ask ourselves, how's a 15 year old getting a gun? Where is it coming from? Why is it so rampant? Not why he wants it. There's, there's any reason why you might want to do something. How do you get that access? Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about like rifles that are allowed to kill a deer. I'm talking about machine guns that they use in war. I'm talking about AKs, handguns. What's this access possible? Where are they coming from? Where are they coming? How is it so easily accessible? If they didn't have, if they weren't, if they didn't get the access to the guns, would we be talking about this right now? We might be talking about fights. Maybe even stabbings. Still is bad. But we're talking 2 o'clock in the afternoon, a shooting off the ramp? Yeah. Multi- on, multiple times Come now. on, bro. Like, it can't, if it's that accessible, then we're talking about our system is screwed up. Where is it coming from? The border, inside, our legal gun owners buying guns and selling it to people. What's going on? What's really going on? Don't talk about the, don't talk about the result. Show me the journey. Show me the process of the result. What's going on? So that goes out to the mayor, to the premier, to the prime minister. Call anybody. What's going on? Maybe I'll get one of them on here for some answers. <laughs> Ask them what's going on. What's going on? I'm going to stick with the kids here. Okay. But you as a kid. Okay. All right. What kind of kid were you in school? Rambunctious, boy. I was the... I was the I was the... I was the what, what, what part of school? We're talking about grade 6. We're talking about grade 10. Let's go to grade 10. Grade 10, I was basketball all day, OCI all day, point guard all day. You play? OCI, OCI, we'll fight, fight, fight till we die, B. I was, ask anybody, point guard on point. (laughs) I'm going to follow up on this. In the British Knights, let them know, BKs. Young kids too young for that. But yeah, I was definitely, I was playing basketball all the time. Uh, You know, just just doing regular kids stuff. We did lip syncing, Mm -hmm. uh, new edition music. Uh, couldn't sing, so we lip sync. Now, were you in theater and doing in, plays? In I was school? in theater doing plays, and that's also probably my uh, um, where my theatrics on the court happen as well too, because it comes from my theater. Not as so much my theater learning, but my theater instinct. So I always felt that I was never, I was never a good basketball player. I just act like I play basketball. <laughs> you know when we do this thing where we kind of like, yo, what's up, man? That, that yeah. was me, right? So if you want me to introduce somebody, okay, all right, let me do it. Uh, Come on, if I have enough confidence, maybe you'll be confident in what I'm saying. So everything for me is theatrics. Yeah. So when you see me even talking to you now, you've seen me talk. I've been using my hands for the last 10 minutes. Yeah, I love it. It's all theatrics. It's all theatrics. I think it comes from a bit of my Caribbean background. You ever thought about acting? Yeah, I just, I've never had the face for it. You see all that stuff you just mentioned is all voicing. Voice is great. And then... I can confirm. And then... The, and then the face. Everybody sees me like, oh, so that's what you look like, Mark. Uh, oh, come nice on. Yo, you ever seen me in a commercial? Or have you heard me in commercials? You heard the Juicy Fruit commercial, oh, I, right? I've heard you in commercials. All right. Have you seen me in one? Uh, no. Right. So <laughs> I'm saying all here doesn't match all in here. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah. How did you get into radio? 
Um, how to get into radio. <clears throat> I started at icebergmedia.com, which is illinois.com. It was a internet radio station. I did internet radio with uh, a DJ named Nigel B. And that was alongside people like uh, DJ X and uh, 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 Snakey's Corner with King Turbo, which is uh, Specs the Boss in them. Mm. And then after that, I moved to on to Flow. They just sort of were looking to go from internet radio to, well, sorry. Flow had started up in 2000, 2001. Yeah. Uh, and they wanted to do, um, they were starting the interurban radio station, but we were doing internet, internet station and um, they were looking for talent. And Farley Flex, who used to manage Maestro and them, I knew him from back in the day. He sort of said, yo, you really need to send in your demo. And I didn't really want to. And so DJ X sent in my demo for me, which I appreciate X. And um, Flow gave me a couple of interviews, four or five interviews, and I got in and I just got on radio. Then after Flow, uh, after Flow, I left Flow. Um, G came along and they asked me if I wanted to start up again. Me and Gem, and I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So, so when you were younger, this is not like something you necessarily sat around and thought about to do. Never, I never thought of doing radio. I never thought of my voice. And to be honest, I don't hear. You know, when you hear something internally, it's not the same externally. I don't hear what people hear. Like when people are like, "Yo, I your voice," I'm like, "I can hear it." Because. When I hear my father, I'm like, y'all, y'all don't know a deep voice. My father's voice, you know what I mean? Just sit, just like call my name, like it's when he's calling my name to come downstairs. I'm like, I'm coming. You had a little worry, a little scared. <laughs> so that's where you got the Pause. voice from. Yes. Because your voice is super distinct. Anytime you're on the radio, you know immediately like. It's from my father. My you know dad I mean? has a deep voice like that. That's pretty crazy, man. Yes, I it's a know. little nuts. When did people start telling you that you had a unique voice? Um, I don't think it was. I don't think it was high school, man. I think it was. Might have been high school, actually. Might have been high school. I did a Theater Fifty Five play. I did a Raisin in the Sun, and I did. A, oh man, a Woody Allen play. I can't remember what it was called. I can't remember what it was called. Anyway, it was around that time, so I was projecting, using my voice, using my theatrics, and they're mm. like, "Yo, your voice is whatever." Uh, and then I just got into radio because it was more my my personality that people kind of gravitated to they liked and then when i talked on the mic and the way my voice came through the mic and my personality that's when my voice sort of took off in a different way so if you don't if you weren't on radio right now mm -hmm. or just doing stuff in in general because you do a hundred different things yeah what do you think you'd be doing like when you were younger what did you kind of want to be i don't know i think I, I think i just wanted to I got to be honest. I think I just wanted to be successful in anything that took me because nobody in not nobody, not a lot of people in high school know what they really want to do. No, not a lot of people in college and university still know what they really want to do. So everybody just wanted to get a good gig. Um, as a matter of fact, for a while I worked at Sick Kids Hospital, and I worked at the uh, switchboard. Oh, really? So people used to, that was the funny part too. People are calling in at the switch. And sorry. That's another place where my voice was like, it was weird because I'd be like, hey, hospital for sick children, not going to transfer you. And this is like parents calling. They're like, oh, um, I'm like, hell, it's your kid, right? We're talking about your kid, your little, <laughs> let's relax, okay? It's just, and so I transfer them. And then at one point, some of the doctors were like, um, can we get you to do a skit for us? Because your voice is incredible. So the people, some of them doctors you just called just to hear the voice. Yeah. Like, Word, come on. And then... They come downstairs to check out the, who the voice is, and they go, "Oh, and there we go again. The voice is cool, <laughs> but I ain't worth I ain't worth the looks over here. But it's all good. But yeah, so I worked the sick kids. I just wanted to be successful at anything I did, yeah. and um, whatever it took me, I was up for the challenge for it. It's one thing I wanted. I wanted to tell kids and anybody out there: any door that opens for you, walk through it, because it's meant for you to be a challenge that you should uptake. And if you're not meant for it, it doesn't hurt. You're standing up here anyway. Walk through it and you'll stand back or you'll keep moving. But just, just walk through any door that opens for you. I'll be partly selfish and use that all for myself as well. <laughs> you should. Absolutely, you know? man. Any door. Like if you, if you could sit down with any person, past or present, who would you sit down with and why? Holy, man. Um, is it, does it have to be from a certain genre, a certain place? Nope. Certain could be absolutely anybody. You can sit down with them. Get some knowledge. Pick their brain. Ask any question you want to ask. That's a tough one. That's really tough. That's really tough. Um, 
There's oh, probably more than one person you that's the problem. Man. I would think of. I think the two people you I can would, give me your top two or three. If the you two want. people I think would be uh, it would be Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X. Those are two people, and unfortunately they both passed. But there were two people. Wow. Because there's such a there's because the knowledge within them is one thing, but their transformations in life is what's more curious to me. Detroit Red, right? You know what I mean. I would go because he went from he went from. There's a saying. There's something that's been going on a meme thinking that yo, if if Detroit Red never made it to Malcolm X, like if he died Detroit Red, history's different. Oh yes. Muhammad Ali, you know, gets gets like I don't know. Let's say gets put in jail instead of like being able to fight while he gave up his belt. History changes. Things are different. You know what I mean? Like this. The, the, their journeys are incredible to me, and I think I, what I, the reason I want to talk to them is I want to know what kept them so strong outside of the religion, clearly, and some of their upbringing. That's a lot of strength, and in this world we all need a lot it of strength. Is. And if you could tap into that, if I could tap into that strength, it's so funny because it's you read the books about them, mm-hmm. you know, and you see the movies. Mm-hmm. And then you go on YouTube and you watch the videos and you see how they speak. Yep. You see, you know, the strength. Right. The, the no hesitation. Mm-hmm. And, and you hit it on the head. It's like if they weren't around saying those things at that time, you know, like what would it have been like? Because they changed, they changed life for yeah. for a lot of people, lot and not just black folks. No, and that's the other thing too is that it's not. I pick those two because um, it, they resonate with me as to somebody who's trying to channel in this world as a black person. Mm-hmm. But their effect on the world and the change of world views and the understanding of um, strength, intolerance, yet togetherness and compassion, all that kind of stuff come from those those type of that type of journey. And I think it's something that. I would, I would much, I would love to sit down and have uh, five questions. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to get them out. I'd be so chilled by them, you know what I mean, just for them being around. So I, yeah. I would pick those two. Now, I just picked those two off the top of my head. I know I'm going to go over and go, oh, man, I should have said so-and-so. But those are the two. I would love to have you sit down, actually, with uh, my wife's uncle. Who was is? actually, he was the best fan of one Kwame Toure. Trinidad, you know he's from Trinidad. You know he's Trinidad, right? Yeah, they grew up in Trinidad together. Really? Yes, sir. Kwame Toure. That's another Stokely Carmichael. He's Stokely Carmichael's best friend. Really? Oh yeah, I got stories for you for days. So you must have you must be you must have a lot too that you you've banked up here as well. A lot. And whenever he whenever he's here, whenever he's here. We have some real discussions. He actually lives in Montreal. Oh, okay, okay. But um, and he's in Africa a lot. But mm-hmm. whenever he's here, I would love I to. Would, I would. I would love, love for to you sit to down. Speak to I him. would love to because that's another sense of uh, that's another track and another journey that I would love to sit down and hear about because Kwame Ture was another incredible, oh, power, revolutionary, powerful. powerful person that I would love to hear more insight on. Oh my god, that's awesome. Let me ask wow. you this: Do you have any regrets about your career? No. No. What about anything in life? You have any regrets about anything? No. No. Uh, one thing. This is uh, this is not a. Reg- yeah, maybe it is a regret. I try not to regret everything. Anything because everything is meant to put me where. I, if I regret it, if I could take back something, I might not be here now. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, had, true. Everything mm-hmm. had its link, right? Mm-hmm. But if there's something, this is a this is a short, a weird story. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there. When I was in grade four, I want to say. Three or four. Um, I lived at Oakland Sinclair, as I mentioned, and um, our whole building was full of Greek um, people. Black people, Greek people, whatever, but a lot of Greek people. I was babysat by Greek people. I ate Greek food. I loved the, the great people. But every time I went to the elevator, I'd always see a, a Greek family and they were talking, and I could never understand what they're talking about. I'm a little kid listening to them. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I went to school with a good friend of mine, Nick Harmantis, he's a doctor now, and I was like, yo, um, I think I want to go to Greek class with you. So at, at age, whatever, grade four, grade three, whatever, I started going to Greek classes after school with Nick and a couple of his friends. 
So two years go out. I'm going there one year, two year. I'm doing well. I'm learning the alphabet. I'm doing all this stuff, whatever. And now I'm in the elevators and the, and the Greek families are talking and I'm like responding back. And they're like, they're like, they can't believe that this little kid, you know, this little black they kid all, in the corner they all talking, give you whatever. The, huh? Yeah, they give me the, what? I'm like, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> right? But here's the thing. Here's my regret is that the third year going into it, I was doing as well and sometimes better than the Greek children who lived in Greek families. Really? Yeah, because as much as they knew it and understand it, they weren't uh, they weren't as eager to study it because it was just so normal to them. So they I was I was studying it eagerly. The teacher, uh, her name was Kiriakiki, she saw that my grades were high, whatever, and she purposely set me back two years to go from grade six back to grade four. Um, I told my mother and my father about it, and they were like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't want to do Greek anymore. And so my regret is, is that that one person stopped me from learning a language that I could have learned, and I learn now how important languages are. Because mm -hmm. that Greek could have moved me to Portuguese, Italian, something else, and make me just feel like I could trans. But that moment stopped me from learning Greek and moving into languages. My only regret was to not listen to that idiot, Kiriakiki. <laughs> that would be my only regret. That is, it's a weird regret was the only one. You ever thought about it before? Like, have you ever... To go back to it? Well, have you ever expressed it to anybody else, like how we're doing it now? That's never, interesting. Never really talked about it that I way. Because it is a lesson. It's a it, very serious lesson that when somebody puts you back... I think I was disappointed in myself that somebody set me back and I let them hold me back. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to set me back, but I should have kept moving, and I didn't. I let them hold me back from moving forward. So, yeah, yeah. that would be my only regret. You ever now? I've been talking about your personality from from when we've started because it's so dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. So, what I wanted to know is, you're you have such a uh, an attitude that's positive, mm -hmm. right? It's contagious almost, like when when people are around you, right? Mm -hmm. To speak to you, you you know, like, you. yeah, you know I, what I mean. I love life, man. Um, now, with that being said, I don't know if I'm going to be right, but has there been an experience, whether positive or negative, that changed your outlook on life to kind of fast forward your personality to becoming that way? Uh, yeah, man. I think, I think in growing up in any city, in any place of the world, I think you have uh, these hurdles and barriers that you always have to, um, you always have to uh, confront. And so there's been there's been some negative things, uh, you know, from from different police harassments and um, uh, even in schools and whatnot, uh, you know, being uh, be, being made to tell that you can't really um, you can't um, you can't use books and literature that you want to use that uh, resonate with your culture and. You know, I, I was part of different things like the Black History Clubs and the Afro-Canadian Clubs, and I was into the Spike Lees and the Do the Right Things. And so there were these different rebellious times which, which I started to open my eyes to the different things that were happening. Um, and those, But those things, though, even though they were, they stem from different negative places, I always found a way to make it positive in me. I didn't, I didn't let it erode my positive nature. So even if it was something negative, I made sure that it fueled the positive side of who I am. And I just... You know, I just I just found myself stronger that way. So yeah, I think I think there are different negative and positive um, experiences that I've had that continue to fuel my positive, and that's your choice. You can take a negative and positive situation and make it fuel your anger, but that's because you're naturally an angry person. I'm naturally a happy person. Okay. You know what I mean? So yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. I'll find a way to make it happy. So so every uh, Raptors game, I'm there, and. Uh, before I actually get into action, doing my job or whatnot, I always sit in the front row. Mm. Just watch the guys warm up and mm. whatnot. A lot of the time I sit down with my good friend uh, and psychologist, Dr. Brian Shaw. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he tells me the importance of, of finding your truth. Right. You know what I mean? 100%. And how, and how powerful that is. What's the thing about you that you, I don't know, maybe still to the present, but if the was there a time what's the thing about you you never wanted anyone to know like i i put out a i put out a post on instagram okay maybe a few weeks ago that i'm a fedex driver in the day mm -hmm. um i'm doing this with oxp media the mm -hmm. company i own 
Uh, I'm a television broadcast assistant. I'm a husband, a daddy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I put that out because I wanted to tell everybody what I do. Like, most people just know that I do something for the Raptors right. as a broadcaster. I wanted people to know everything I do. Right. I never wanted people to know how hard I work. Get up at 4.30 every day. Okay. Um, you know, I'm home at 2, 2.30. Um, I'm out the door by 3.30 to get downtown to do right. a game. I'm home by 12. I'm up at 4.30 with the wife, with You're the hustling, baby. Man. You're hustling, you know what I'm saying? Man. Yeah. But I never wanted people to know that. I just wanted them to think it, you know, it's just easy. You yeah, know, I'm just yeah. a broadcaster. Really? With the rap. But I had to let everybody know, like, yo, this is what it really is. This is my journey. This mm -hmm. is what I do for real. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? This is what I am. What's the thing about you that you never wanted anybody to know? Well, I don't think anybody, if you follow me on Instagram or on Twitter or on Facebook, you'll see that there's nothing that I, I'm the total opposite. Like, I want people to know everything mm -hmm. to the point somebody's like okay mark we get it every one o'clock <laughs> you go to the gym all right yeah you're sweating oh you're tired we get it mark but yo my my schedule is so if it's something that has to do with uh race relations if it's something that has to do with basketball if it has something that has to do with education politics religion whatever it is i don't fear to let everybody know who i am and where i stand and i see it and you know and the reason why i do that is is because I need you to like me for me. Not just, you know when some people have the aspect of you they like? Like, I like Mark when he does this, but when he starts talking like that, yeah, you don't need to follow me. And so many people are afraid to do all the things that you do and say all the things that you say. I need that. So that happens and a lot. And the reason why I need that is I need to know who needs to be out of my life. I need the toxic out. So you need to know exactly who I am so you can bounce. You know, or you need to be you know, who I am so you can stay. That's an important lesson. I actually never thought about it from that perspective. I but that's, need to know. That's super Because true. I hate getting surprised by somebody who I think is cool. And then I go, oh, so you like Trump. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I thought we were good. You know what I mean? Now all of a sudden it's like, what's he on that side? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not like that. So um, I'm a father. I'm a husband of 23 years. I'm a father of four. I'm a Muslim. I play. I I do um, the radio in the morning show. Uh, from I went from Flow to now I'm on G987 for the last eight years. I do the Raptor stuff. I do the Candle Walker Fames. I do the Junos. I I everything. I do boxing. I'm all of that, and I'll do and I do everything on my social media, and I want people to know it all. So there's no there's nothing I would say that people wouldn't know about me. I don't have any skeletons or things I keep quiet. I, I want to own up to everything because I want people to know there's a totality in people. And if there's some wrong stuff and bad stuff, I'll tell you that too. Because no, if anybody gives you something perfect on social media, you need to get rid of them, block them. Because they're fooling you into believing that life is perfect. I, I, there's no perfect in my life. Even when I said everything it sounds really positive, there's struggle in every one of those things I just said. Whether it's religion, family, business, work, friendship, there's struggle in all of that stuff. But I, have, I find a way to do it all. And I also do it to make sure that people know that when they're at home saying, Yo, I ain't got time to do all this kind of stuff. Yo, I find time. Mm. You find time to do eight things yeah, and yeah. be good at them all because you have a passion and love for it. Mm. So you need to find your passion and love and implement it through the whole thing. I wake up at 3.30 every morning to pray. I wake up then and I also um, prep the morning show, go to the morning show from 5.30 till 10, get home and sleep at 11 till about 12.30, work out at from 1 to 2, get home and take a shower at 3. If it's a Raptors game, take an hour and a half sleep, jump down to the Raptors game, get home at 11, start it back at 3.30. Let's keep it pushing. So many people, yo, B, when I drive on the highway in this type of weather and snow, and I go, yo, I could be doing construction right now. I'm blessed. You know what I mean? I could be out here in the cold, asbestos, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. Earplugs, all that stuff, losing my... You know, I could be doing... I'm on the microphone in the morning talking to the city. I'm going to wake up and let's do this, bro. You know what I mean? And you sound like you love doing it and every I, single trust morning. Trust me, and I want people to love that I love what I'm doing. Maybe it'll give you something positive to go with. So I'm happy to share everything with everybody. No problem. Now, you're talking about social media. What do you think... How does social media to you uh, impact the lives of youth? You think it does it more for a, a positive or negative way, or do you just? Well, just like I said, like if you um, 
if if you're happy by nature, it's positive. If you're, if you're if you're angry by nature, you're gonna have a lot of angry, negative, um, toxic stuff on on social media. So some people would broadcast violence. Some people would broadcast births, successes. Some just always talk about failure. Some of it, I've seen. So I put up memes like every day with positive little message out there every mm-hmm. morning. It's funny because I get DMs and I get people messaging me saying, I really needed this. I don't know who I'm talking to. And I don't know who's listening. I don't know who's reading. I don't know who needs this right now. So for that, that's good. Some people put it up there for their business. That's great too. This is a different age. This is a digital age. Sometimes you don't even need to be to have a, a nine to five job. You can do it on YouTube. You can do it on Instagram. You can make money. This is that age. Then some people are getting hit by a car and you're not helping them with CPR. You want to get it on camera to get likes. Stand there. And record that and they can't breathe. That's not too good. So I'm saying like there's a, there's a balance. Um, it depends on where you're, what your perspective is. And I think if people used it for positive more, we'd be. And then there's also like I don't know what's going on in Bolivia unless I check Twitter. Thank God for Twitter. Otherwise, I wouldn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. It it helps. You know what I mean? So, I think I think it's for the youth if they use it in a positive way, which a lot of them do. I want to say that as well too. A lot of youth, a lot of youth really do use it for positive ways. They do it for climate change. They do it for rallying. They do it for a lot of big things. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So let's. I don't want people to think that yo, these youth are always just putting up things like guns and music and this and talking about gold and change and all that kind of stuff. That'll happen if there wasn't in the internet. It'll happen anyway. But these guys use this as a great platform to rally people. So, yeah, man, I think they use it for good. You can, if, if you could go back and speak to your former self, mm-hmm. let's say 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. anything you would tell yourself and do differently? Um, I, would, I would invest in purchasing land and property in different places of the world so that I can be just as busy here as I am in Grenada or as I am in, in, you know, wherever. I can move around and still be busy and have ownership and my children and children's children would have places to stay in different parts of the world when they're ready. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think, I think ownership is so important for black youth and any youth in particular, but I see a lot of families of different backgrounds have that stability and have that foundation and we don't have that. That's what my man Nipsey Hussle is trying to teach. Man, Nipsey, Nipsey, you know what's sad about Nipsey Hussle, man? Nipsey Hussle is a prime example of not roses, but gaining knowledge for somebody after they've passed away and can't continue to move the movement. Because his movement was, imagine he was doing all of this and most of us only knew it when he died. I did. I only knew about this stuff after he died. Bro, I followed Nipsey for a bit near the end of his, near before he passed away, maybe about a year before or something like that. But he was, he had so much creativity and so much entrepreneurship and everything was about, you know, gathering a nationalistic um, mentality for himself and for people in Crenshaw and, 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 and in L.A. And I'm thinking, after he passed, now people value People put more value in the death of people than in their life. It's like they don't want to give them that props and give them that support and give them that love until they die and then put money into a trust fund and put money into a GoFundMe and put it. All this time, we could have been building Nipsey's brand, Nipsey's idea, Nipsey's movement. He passes away. They do it for maybe six months. There's no real GoFundMe for Nipsey anymore. People still love him. People still probably might do something, but now... You just move on. And the problem with that is that there's so much things going on, deaths, hurricanes, this and the third, you can't keep up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I just wish people would, would learn from people now uh, rather than when they pass away. Now let me ask you this. If, if you could teach a course, I got a few more for you before we yeah, wrap it up. That's all good. That's all good. But if, if you could teach a course on your profession, what would it entail? It's funny. I'm supposed to be doing some. Um, <laughs> yeah, drop this down. Uh, I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, I'm supposed to be doing some workshops tonight right now for some uh, from schools and whatnot. And I've never really done a workshop. I've done one before for um, um, 
I think it was like a, a Muslim rally, or not rally, a Muslim um, school event. But um, what would what would it entail? I don't know, man. I think so. I take from Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy said once on Arsenio Hall show that um, that somebody asked him if you know could you give me some advice of a new upcoming comic. And he goes, my best advice is to not to take nobody's advice. That was his best. He said the reason for that is that he was doing some show, comedy show. Um, he went up on stage, and I think uh, the, the owner of the club said, oh, you're terrible. You're never going to go anywhere. You're horrible, whatever. And like ten, five years later, he was on Saturday Night Live and whatnot, and then he met her daughter, the, the, the owner's daughter. And the daughter said, hey, I'm an actor. Can you give me advice? And, she, and he said, don't listen to your mother. Because wow. had I listened to your mother and taken her advice, I'd have never been a comic. So it's hard for me to teach somebody something. I'm very, and I wish I could. I, I, I promise when I say this, I really wish I could teach, like have a course, a blueprint, a book, something. But I am very, I'm a visually learning person. Like I, I learn through visuals. I was never really a book reader. I was more mm. of a visual learner. And so I teach by example, and I hope that people learn and pick up by example. So I can't give you jot down t- thing by thing. I do this, and then you would wake up in the morning, and then you'd make sure you do this and take this course and make sure that your diaphragm is used this way. People have asked me, so what do you do with your throat? Like, how, how do you keep your throat, whatever? <laughs> I go, I've never used a thing once for my throat. No honey, no lemon. I don't have no, I don't, I don't do any kind no, of, garlic, you know, I, I, I don't, don't woosa before I go on. I do none of that stuff. Yeah. So I just... I couldn't give you any advice because I just walk through life and I hope that whatever my example is, you guys take from it. I don't have, I wouldn't do a course. There's, there's what I'd put in the course. I'd never do a course. That's I can't. Interesting. I can't. That's interesting. Yeah, I can't. It would have to be all through visual learning for me. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to see what I'm doing. And that's another thing too. I mimic a lot. So I know how to mimic well. So if I see. What do you mean? So if I, like, if I see some, if I hear somebody's inflection that sounds dope or I see somebody's mannerisms, I can I can feel myself incorporating it into who I am, so I can actually mimic piece of everything and make it mine. So mm-hmm. I know how to grab something from something, that, grab those energies and put it into what I do, and so I can mimic well. And so maybe that's why I feel like I can't teach anything because I don't. I learn from watching people. Hmm. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm boring because how are you gonna learn from me? Then Mark, how am I supposed to learn from you? I don't know. That's very interesting, though. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I mimic. Do you have an end game already? Like, where do you see yourself in the next five or ten years? I mean, five and ten years is a different thing. Yeah. Let me go with one or the other. Next five years. <laughs> next five years. Um, I see myself uh, introducing the Toronto Raptors for their second championship. Um, I was going to wear also, the ring today. I, I got was, that replica, I baby. I, I got that replica. I should have wore the replica today, but I didn't. We could have done the one different powers and all that stuff. Um, Five years from now, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what I don't hold. I don't know what holds for five years from now. I hope that I'm still doing this. I hope that I can progress into uh, some other things in schools, uh, in communities. I need to use the platform that I'm at right now in order to raise uh, more of a positive energy towards the kids out there. Um, but for me personally, I've been so happy and blessed in what I've been given that I can't ask for anything more. Whatever more comes to me, I'm more happy for. So I'm not aspiring to anything. I'm just happy to just keep going through the next door of opportunity. Well, listen, Mark, I'm very happy you took the time to come out here That's today. A lot of people. You know a lot mean? of stuff there, man. You got, uh, hey, man. I, I can't get to anything. More questions? I just got started, man. Well, listen, man. I listen to you all the time. And boy... <laughs> When I told people I was having Mark Strong on my show, <laughs> really, I'm happy for hey, that. Hey, listen, oh boy, I don't, I don't know it, so I'm happy to hear that because I, I do get the love on in different places when I get when people see me or they on my Instagram and Facebook and whatever. But um, listen, those old Jamaican ladies went crazy when I told you I was having I Mark that. Strong. That was so fun. You remember their names? Uh, I would love to shout them out. Whoever you are, listen, whoever, listen. whoever he drops off the parcel at, at your house, 
Um, you know, Marcus Struzzi has love for you. I wish I knew their names. Oh I'd love to gosh. shout them on the radio. I don't even know all their names. I wish thing. I could shout them on the radio. And we I get work, them all the time. And on I work G98 with some seven. of them, which is pretty bad. Yeah, in the morning show, um, we know them all the time, man. So, well, listen, I'm happy though, man, because we need somebody like you on air. Mm. Um, we don't have enough of you on air. Mm-hmm. I would like to hear more of you on air. I appreciate that. So, I'm hoping we do. Well, I also want to say for you, um, you mentioned earlier, and this is you're also a prime example of determination. You're a prime example of talent. You're a prime example of um, of your own inspiration that you put into a reality. Because, like you said, people look at this right now and go, "Man, that guy's lucky. Man, look what he's doing. Man," but they don't know necessarily everything it takes for you to do the passion that you have in this so whether it be a family man whether it be fedex whether it be whatever raptors whatever it is you have to do you have to be recognized anything that we do bro we have to recognize each other for the amount of work that we put in because we know what we do it for so i have to commend you on making this happen i have to commend you on chasing me down to make sure it does happen because you know with me it's like mark can you just answer my text like this just once that'd be nice and i'm sorry but i'm happy to be here today i appreciate it brother no i I really appreciate appreciate you man man. i really do i appreciate you coming out thank Thank you you for doing this podcast this is oxp media this is a revelation of mark strong the mike roach podcast and we out OXP, son. See y'all. You've been listening to the Mike Roach Podcast, where storytelling, sports, and keeping it real are the only ways to live by. We hope you've gotten some valuable and practical information from the show. Link up with us on Instagram at OXP.media or at MikeRoach7, where you can view images of the content on this program. We're on Facebook, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a wonderful day, and thank you for listening. Until next week. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.